Are you ready to realize the true potential in your life and help others do the same? Get equipped to create a thriving future with the Secrets of Success podcast. Inspire others to live, lead, and work on purpose. And experience the joy of watching satisfaction and productivity come to life. And now, here's your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Well, each week we want to give you insights, thoughts, comments, strategies, ideas to be able to live your life on purpose, as well as living living to your full potential. And today we have a special guest all the way from the UK. He stayed up late for us. Well, that's what he said anyways. And he called really a lifestyle entrepreneur, but he also calls himself the untamed entrepreneur. So we'll find out what that means from him. Uh, very shortly but welcome to the show Jim Hughes Jim thanks for being on the show thank you very much for having me Ken I'm um, excited to chat to you <laughs> okay well our listeners here and we have quite a variation that we have that listen to the show but one of the things that we always like to do Jim is spend a few minutes getting to know our guests and their journey and so really you're too young to be an untamed entrepreneur but I just say that as an older individual, so that could be slight jealousy there. So Jim, just tell us a little bit about your story, and then we'll get into what you're doing now and how you're living your life, but uh, just give us a little bit of your background, where you grew up, and just sort of your history of getting to this point in your life. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll try and keep it as brief as possible. I do have a tendency to, to ramble on, so, um, so do shut me off if, I, if I'm going on too long. Um, I'll, I'll start at the beginning. Um, born in uh, in the uh, northwest of England, uh, in a place called Chester, which is a lovely Roman city. Um, and I went to school there, and I went to university uh, when I was 18 years old to study politics, um, just up the road in a place called Liverpool, um, which some of your listeners may be aware of. Um, oh, of course, everybody knows Liverpool and then the ex- soccer and everything like that, or yeah, football, exactly. as you would call it, right? Yeah, soccer football references are always the main are always the main ones, and uh, so I studied politics for there uh, there for three years, um, not with any great ambitions or not with any ambitions of, of getting involved in politics. I just I studied it uh, before going to university and I enjoyed it. Um, the workload was nice and light, and I went to university for three years, support you know predominantly for the social scene, the the living away from home scene, the the drinking culture, the you know, the studying was probably well, about fourth on the list, which is which is quite common in uh, in universities in the UK, especially especially back then, back in two thousand and. Well, even now in North America, you know, the drinking culture. Sometimes they just say, you know, is there any studying that's really going on? So yeah, absolutely. yeah, we, I get that, I get that. But before we get go forward, what's about your family? What did your parents do, or what was sort of the the nature of the family growing up? Uh, what did they do? Uh, my parents, uh, they're, they're relatively old, so they were, my mom was 38 when she, she had me, so they were, uh, uh, whether that's relevant or not, I'm not sure, I think it comes into play at some at some points, um, but my mum has run her own business for, what, 40 years now, 38 years, no, 40, about 40 years, um, and it's not a big business. There's probably only you know 10, 15 members of staff, but they've been they've been going fairly well for for a while, surviving recessions here and there. And um, my dad was an engineer by trade, and then he became a salesman. And he was UK sales manager for a German engineering company, so he was on the road a lot, 
the old school style of selling where you go and make friends and you know you, you, you hang out with them you get to know them over over beers and then you get the orders that way and he's he's very much you know i got a lot of my gregarious nature and and, and desire to sort of talk to people and sell to people um from him so you know well that's good now what's the business that your mom has what does she what it, it's really mean? it's really not very exciting it's it's half of it is is contract packaging so you know packaging things like glues and toothpaste and paints and that stuff and the other half is they're a european distributor for greases so an american company um passes them on to my mum's company and my mum's company sell them to to their network in the uk so it's it's nothing nothing particularly glamorous or exciting but uh, you know it's um she she loves what she does and she's been well doing everybody it time, so. everybody jim needs grease so there absolutely, you go absolutely <laughs> absolutely yeah so you you did have sort of an encouragement as far as the entrepreneurial side, certainly from, you know, really a sales rep is their own entrepreneur, their own little micro business. Your dad's success would be based on his efforts. So you you had some encouragement as far as this direction for your entrepreneurship now. Yeah, I mean, the, I've had a lot of encouragement from both my parents, which is something I'm, I'm massively grateful for. Even though none of them have, have, have followed in my footsteps, sorry, you know, none of them had trodden in my uh, current footsteps prior to me doing it. Um, everything I've suggested I wanted to do or thought about doing, they've had support for me. So I know a lot of people struggle with with parenting, you know. Um, imposing limiting beliefs on their kids and saying, well, I didn't do that, so therefore why should you and blah, blah, blah. But I've always had very good support from my parents. And, and obviously, like, there was a mix there, my mum running the business and my dad being a very much a proactive, you know, you, you get what you, um, what you put in, um, you get out what you put in, and if you don't do the work, you don't get it, and the network is important and, you know, all this kind of stuff. So there was, there was a big influence from both of them in that front. So, so yeah, that definitely played a part. Well, super. And it's always good to hear that. You know, those people that are listening that are parents or even myself, you know, my uh, wife Brenda gave birth to our youngest, Stephanie, about the same time your mom did. And so we don't consider ourselves old, so we'll, I won't take offense by that comment, Jim. <laughs> I meant it as a compliment. <laughs> it's, you know, it goes back to your mindset on it. So you're in university, so then, then what happened? So then I got to the end of university, which a lot of my peers also did, and I and I had no ambition to do anything to do with politics. I had no real desire to to, to get onto the corporate ladder. I know a lot of my peers were looking around and, and were taking jobs because they felt they needed to. And again, this is where the parent support comes in. You know, I well, I was intimating that I had no real inclination to, to get involved in the corporate rat race straight away and get on the ladder and my parents said basically you know well don't then there's there's more than one way to skin a cat there's lots of ways of doing things so do whatever feels most most comfortable and, and right so i i then shipped off to whistler in canada um with a good friend of mine from from university now we, since we are only two hours from whistler and i've been to whistler a, every summer for the last 20 years you're at abbotsford aren't you Yes, we are. So, of course, you know, you even know where that is, where everybody else listening says, what's that? Well, it's, we're an hour from Vancouver. So what, uh, what was really driving Whistler? Like, how did Whistler even get onto your map or your radar? That, that is a good question. I, we, my friend and I basically rocked up to football training or soccer training one day and went, right, who wants to come and do a year abroad with me? Um, and a, a lad um, stuck his hand up and said, oh, well. So he's like, oh, cool, right, let's start looking into it. And we looked at all these different places, and then, like, we looked at 
scuba diving and volunteering in Mozambique and you know all these different places in Asia and everything else but then when you actually consider what you want to do and the fact that a lot of these adventure holidays you, you pay a lot of money for we needed somewhere and neither of us could speak any other language and had no real inclination to learn like like typical typical English speaking people <laughs> um, of course. I'd love I love skiing so skiing came into it I wanted somewhere English speaking um, I'd always wanted to go to Whistler. My mum's partner by that point, uh, he lived in Canada for a while. Um, so he knew of Banff um, and I knew of Whistler. So I looked into it, looked, compared the two and, and, and chose Whistler. And then it just so happened that a friend of mine from university, um, his parents owned a house in Whistler. So we actually ended up living in that house. Um, wow, isn't that days. fortunate? I know it is. I, I messaged him saying, hey, actually, I remember do you, you something about you and Whistler. And he's like, yes, uh, my parents have a house there. In fact, I'm moving there. Um, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm moving there with, with Will. And he said, right, well, let's live together. So, so him and his girlfriend and Will and I live together. We completely fortuitously, we were heading out maybe in a month's time. So it was just in time. And it was, yeah. Well, pretty exciting. So then uh, what was after that? So you got to Whistler. Now, did you apply for sort of a, a, a temporary work visa or how did you get in the country? Yeah, it's, it's changed since I did it, but there was, um, you basically could apply for a working holiday visa, which got you 12 months. Um, so I did that. The 12-month visa ran out um, and then I came back to England and then was desperate to try and get back. Um, I thought when I was out there, I said, well, you know, I'll just do a year and then I'll, and then I'll get the job. You know, I'll have my year of fun. And then I'll get on the job. And I remember my dad coming out saying, well, what do you want to do after this? And I said, well, I'll, I'll probably come back and get a job. And he's like, why? Why would you do that? You're having a great time here. You're enjoying yourself. There's no rush. You know, you're only, um, what was I at that point? Um, 22, 21 and a half at that point. Um, so just stay out. And it didn't sink in for a little, you know, maybe six months after that until I was back to England. And I was like, okay. I really did enjoy Whistler, uh, so I did everything I could to get back, <laughs> and so I managed to get another visa out there, and then Super. I Now, staying. when you were in Whistler, what were you doing for work? Uh, the first season, I went out there and I did my ski instructor's qualification, so my first winter, I was um, ski instructing, I was instructing adults, adult beginners, which I thought was absolutely brilliant, one of the best jobs I've ever had, um, which is how I know that, um, you know, the money in a job is only one aspect because I was getting paid pittance for that and I loved every minute of it. So, um, and then come the summertime, I got a job as a laborer with a plumber um, who, to cut a long story short, he ended up sponsoring me in my next year um, and sort of training me up as in the plumbing side of things. So that's what allowed me to stay there for, for pretty much five years on, in the end. Five years. Wow. So you in... And so any insights about, you know, going to another country and taking this on as a young person, uh, what was it that you learned when you were at Whistler? Oh, God, um, a massive amount. Um, I mean, I'd lived away from home already for a couple of years, but never, never, you know, three years on the spin. And I'd never been that far away without my parents for that amount of time before. So you learn how to how to live with other adults if you haven't already done that before you learn you know how the world works you learn how to manage your own money you haven't got a safety net um you learn how other cultures work which is you know whistler is a, as you well know is a melting pot of all different societies and cultures and, and demographics and income levels and 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 all sorts so learning all how all the other cultures are you know act and operate and and get on with each other was was huge um, Whistler itself is a bit of a bubble, as again you you all know. Um, so it's not really a microcosm for for anywhere else in the world. So it's, it's 
but there are still lessons that can be applied. So it's just traveling and going overseas and living somewhere else and doing something different and putting yourself outside your comfort zone is, I think, the best way to grow and the quickest way of growing. So it helped you to mature. Oh yeah, massively. Although, and any of my friends, hate, you know, when they hear this, will probably laugh at that, thinking that I was in any way mature when I was in Whistler. But <laughs> it certainly helps you mature in certain ways. Well, like you said, independence, uh, making your own decisions, safety exactly. net is gone, uh, but you also rely on your friends as part of it. So five years—that's a pretty significant amount of time. Where did you go then after after Whistler for five years? So it, Whistler. Um, this would have been now around 2012. Um, the longer you stay in Whistler, the more you realize that how unique it is and how the, there's, some, there's the haves and the have-nots in Whistler. Um, and there's people in Whistler who are having a fantastic time. And this is probably the case in any ski resort or any tourist resort. Um, there's people there who are having a fantastic time. And there's people there who are having a not-so-fantastic time. And you know, at some point, the the income that you can earn, the opportunities there are, the the tourist sort of challenges come into play. Um, the lifestyle, everything starts to weigh on you. Um, and I'd been there a while. I'd been going at it, you know, 100%. So my I was doing downhill biking, racing, and ski and skiing as well. So so my joints were were struggling. My wallet was struggling. My liver was struggling, and. <laughs> I basically said, you know, it's time to leave on my own terms and on and on, a, and on a high. So the, the the context in which I left was important because I know a lot of people leave too early and, and regret it. A lot of people wait way too long. Um, so I left, you know, in good spirits and, and with everything, you know, in in order. And then it was on a I was on a canoe trip up in the Yukon, and I was like, right, well, you know, what's what okay? Next? So how did how did that happen? So you're in Whistler, and now all of a sudden you're in canoeing in no, the Yukon. That was just a holiday. So a couple of friends of mine said they were going to the Yukon and it had been on my bucket list for years. So I, I jumped on the chance and, and said yes and, and figured it out later. So we did two weeks, 200-mile canoe trip in the Yukon, which was absolutely epic, which I'd recommend to anyone out there. Um, so it's, very, it's all very cliche to have an epiphany while you're canoeing down the Yukon River, but that's what happened. Um, and so I was like, well, you know, what next? And then I realized I love the idea of, of working really hard and then having time off and traveling rather than you know, the nine to five. So I looked at mining in Canada, in Alberta and Fort McMurray and, and all those places and working like two or three weeks solidly and then having a week off to go and travel the world and spend all the money and everything else. So I looked into that, but the visas wouldn't really allow it. So I knew somebody in Perth in Western Australia who was in the mining industry and, and I got talking to them and they suggested it was a wise move that the mining industry was booming. So I just basically said right there, I'll apply for an Australian visa, and I will. I signed up to do a a truck driving course, and then six months, no, uh, three months later, I moved over to Perth um, and did my truck driving course with the hope of of seeking pastures new. And I basically wanted to start earning a bit more money. I'd been, you know, sick of earning pittance and and have it. I wanted mm -hmm. a bit more stability, and I wanted to travel a bit more. Um, so that was what took me there, and, and that's that, that's what it looked like. So that was back in yeah mid 2012 now. So now this person in Perth was some friend that you had from the UK, or you met actually in Whistler. No, he was a friend from UK. I went to school with him, and um, he was working out in 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 Perth and doing very well for himself. So I was looking at him through envious eyes in some respects. You know the fact that he was sort of settled and and had a bit of money behind him and and knew where his ex paycheck was coming from, all that kind of stuff that I hadn't got. 
in, mm -hmm. in Whistler. Mm -hmm. had, had, yeah, if you're in the service industry, we know that in most countries that's some of the lowest paid. And, you know, you don't really get a lot of tips as the ski instructor. You might get some uh, versus working in the restaurant. So what, what really drove you to go to Australia? I mean, you had a friend there, but what was your thinking there to say, okay, uh, you have the whole world to choose from, and now it's Perth. How did you come to that? To be fair, I didn't even really consider many other opportunities. I mean, visa restrictions come into it. So a Commonwealth country is obviously much more beneficial. Um, mm -hmm. And like I say, the, the main draw of it was, the, was the, the, the working lifestyle of working on a mine of, you know, where you work two, three, four weeks of 12-hour days. You don't spend anything, and then you've got one or two weeks off that you can do with what you like. And you, by this point, you've racked up thousands of pounds or thousands of dollars worth of, of, of income during that time. So I love the idea of just doing it, you know, 100%. Mm. You're either working or you're playing and you're not sacrificing, you're not diluting either of them. So there's not many places in the world that are Commonwealth that have that kind of lifestyle that I could have got a visa for. So not that I, I thought about lots of other countries. Australia was the first one that came up and, in, and in, in retrospect, there's really not that many other opportunities or other options, sorry. Well, and it is a beautiful country and I've been there and I've and really helps. enjoyed it. And the, sure. weather, and the weather is delightful, which, which also yeah, helps. <laughs> yeah, a, a little warmer than some of, <clears throat> some of the areas that we've been uh, through. So how long were you in Perth then? That was another five-year stint, actually. And I only realized this about a year ago, that I did, I, my life seems to go in five-year cycles. So I did education for five years, um, you know, pre-university pre and then university. Um, and then I did Whistler for five years. This is to the month, by the way. And then I did Perth for five years to the month. Um, which is really freaky. <laughs> so, well, as long as you work on multiples of five, that's easy math as well to be able to kind of manage. Exactly. Yeah. I'm so I'm you were there, you did the, the mining, you did all of that work, and so then um, you've moved into your sort of new process, you know, being called the untamed entrepreneur. So what, what did you do after Perth? What was, what was the transition there? Well, that started in, in March only. So... Um, the the transition was it's a very long story probably for a whole other conversation about about my the work I did in Perth but I'd ultimately ended up running an engineering business um, and I'd been doing that for a couple of years um, and the learning curve was steep the opportunity was amazing getting getting stuff on my resume was good the money was decent and the challenge was was immense um, but slowly and slowly but surely that the learning curve slowed down, the comfort zone expanded and boredom started setting in and the fact that it was a nine to five started becoming a bit of a drag. I realized I wasn't really passionate about the people I was serving. I wasn't particularly passionate about my role. I wasn't passionate about the industry. Um, so I started looking around saying, right, well, you know, what comes next? Um, and I looked into, I'd always like property uh, and I'd always liked business, so I was like, I was, and, and, and investing, like, you know, stocks and shares and things. So it's, they were the three main things that I started looking into, and then it basically went towards the idea of business. Um, so for about 18 months, I, I got my head down and, and researched as, as diligently as I could what I wanted to do next and what business I should get into, what industry, which people I wanted to serve, what my mission was. Um, so then, when I did leave Perth, everything was in place to to start my business and to start this nomadic lifestyle with with my with my girlfriend. Um, about six months prior to leaving, we we realised we wanted to to live around the world, 
um, that we'd wanted to start our own businesses that could be um, remote. Um, so yeah, when we left in, in March, everything was in place. The business, I knew what business it was going to be. I knew, I knew all of the key pillars. Um, so yeah, we hit the ground running in March by, with a skiing trip to Japan. Well, thank you for that, Jim. So let's just kind of back up a little bit. And, you know, here at CRG and the work that I've done now for 30 years, uh, we teach people how to live, lead, and work on purpose. And that takes effort. And so what you're saying to the audience is you spend a fair amount of time really reflecting on what was possible. Uh, describe that process for the listeners and how some of them might be able to apply what you learned getting clear. There's a new research um, out over the six habits of high performers. And the number one habit of high performers is clarity. So with that, what did, it, what did you go through? What was your process to start bringing clarity and understanding what you were going to do next that the listeners could benefit from? So um, the, the process I went through wasn't particularly efficient. Uh, it took 18 months. It cost about $25,000, and it cost a lot of my time. Um, and it was actually upon reflection, ironically enough, it was on reflection that I realized how that process could be made so much smoother and cheaper and um, more effortless. And that is, ironically enough, that's now what I help people with, is to go through that same process. So I think if I, to give advice to your audience, I would, I would say that, uh, you know, I would share with them the, the process that I now suggest to my clients. Um, and the first suggestion, the first step on my process, I've got a five-step kind of plan or path, is knowing yourself, is, is getting very clear about your identity. Um, Self-awareness is, is, is absolutely massive in this. If you, if you don't know what you're good at, you don't know what you're weak at, you don't know what you love doing, you don't know what gets you fired up, then it's going to be very difficult to find or very time-consuming to find something that you love doing because you just don't know what that is. So occasionally, if you don't know, you're shooting in the dark, you might stumble upon it. But other than that, it's just pure guesswork. So get very clear about that. Understand where your, what your flow states are. And by flow states, I mean the work that you do that's effortless, that where the time flies, where the work that really energizes you. So that's the big, the, the fundamental difference is I would ask your audience to think back to their working lives. So what time in your working life or social life did you do a task, you did it well, you were challenged, but you succeeded, but you were energized by it? Because that's, that's really important. Um, because that's the difference between being some, something that you're really passionate and something that you're just good at is the energy mm -hmm. level that it has. Because I think if you're, if you're just good at something, it drains you, drains you of energy. You can do it, but only for a finite period of time. Which is if sort you, of what was starting to happen at Perth at the exactly. engineering company. You were good at it, but uh, obviously they kept you and they promoted you, but it wasn't uh, in your wheelhouse, as we say, or it wasn't flow for you. Exactly, yes. So, so that's crucial. So have, have a look in your past about when those situations happened, who was present, what role were you playing, what was the environment, what task were you performing, and what was the impact that you were making. So that's, that's number one. And then the second step is I'd say to look at, try and work out what, what your mission is, what your purpose is, what your true north is, what your why is, what, however you want to label it. There's lots of different words for it. If you can work out what your here for what you're here to do at the risk of sounding you know too spiritual or whatever but if you can work out what you're supposed to be doing um, and the mission that you're on um, 
then that gives you inc incredible sort of clarity because you can try different stuff or you can you, you, might, you may get the opportunity to try something new. If you have a north star, if you have a direction that you're aiming at, you can assess, you can say, right, is this opportunity aligned with that mission, yes or no? If it's not, I'm not doing it. I don't need to pursue it. I'm going to crack on. If you don't have that north star, you can you keep trying new things and, and and you don't know which direction you're heading in. You've got nothing to, you've got no yardstick, you know, you've got nothing to bring it back to. So understanding what your mission is and to do that, it's really good to dig into your past when you were a kid, find out what it is that you wanted to be when you were older um, and have somebody go through it with you. There's resources out there that help you with that in detail. Uh, but if you can understand your mission, that gives you a lot of clarity. And then the second thing, uh, the third thing I would say, sorry, is to work out who it is you actually want to serve. So if you wanted to start a business or even if you wanted to get into a job, who is it out there that you resonate with the most? Um, who resonates with you the most? What challenges have you gone through? What lessons have you learned in life that, that you want to help other people go through? Because that's a, that's a big determining factor. You can, you can get a job where you're playing a role that you enjoy or you start a business that you like. But if you're serving the wrong customer, then you're not going to be inspired by the people you're helping. You're not going to wake up every morning and go, I'm really pleased I'm helping these guys or these people. Um, if you're not, if you're not in line with their mission and their values, it's going to create, uh, it's going to make things a little bit more difficult basically. So, so align Jim, yourself. Can you with give it, us a, uh, an example of that about being aligned with the customers? I mean, we have some processes here we teach around it, but I'm curious about uh, how that comes into practical application. So what would what, be an example of, you know, yeah. serving the right people. So in, in my situation, um, is the most obvious example for me is um, I spent 18 months, $25,000 and 56 hours of my time trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I'm now really inspired by helping people go through the same process, but quicker, cheaper, easier. Okay, there's people out there who lose 50 pounds. And all they want to do is show other people how to do that because they've figured something out. They've, they've, they've sweated, they've toiled, mm -hmm. they've tried all these different techniques and they find one that works and the first thing they want to do is share it with people. So there, there's, there's a couple of examples. There's people who go through um, uh, you know, addiction recovery and they get out the other side and then they're inspired by helping the people who have gone through the same thing or are going through the same thing. Tony Robbins, his mission is to help people you know, be the better person, be the best person themselves, overcome fear, be better at this, that, and the other, because he had such a troubled childhood with his parenting and everything else. So he's been inspired by his own journey. That makes sense. Excellent. Excellent. So we're self-aware, which, by the way, is one of our number one things we teach here at CRG. Uh, we get this uh, mission, you know, what, what is our purpose sort of in life, and then we're clear about who we are serving. So then what's your step number four? Step number four is, and this is where my, my mentoring gets specific to, not necessarily specific, but more specific to, to business people who are looking to start their own business, and, that, and that's to figure out what the vehicle is for, for that. So in a, in a business sense, is it going to be a product or service? If so, what is it you're going to be offering? How is it going to be structured? Um, and that, you know, you start getting into the nuts and bolts, but, but there's lots of different ways you can achieve steps one, two, and three. Um, and this is where you start getting specific about what that vehicle might actually look like and what's suited to you. You bring in all of the steps that you've already learned already and say, right, well, my character, I love speaking to people. I love helping people and I'm good in front of the stage. So my, I would be better off with a service, not a product. I would be better off being customer facing. I'd be better off mentoring. You know, those kind of things, you start getting more specific. 
And mm. the same can apply to people looking for a job as well. Right. Okay. Super. And then and the step number five for you. Step number five is the is the the how, um, or in the, in the business sense, it's the what does it look like internally, the the processes, the structure of it, um, that kind of thing. Um, and that, that's again getting to more the marketing angles, how is it going to be delivered, what's your USP, all that kind of stuff. Again, more so entrepreneurially focused, but but if it was look, an individual looking to find purpose in their work, then you'd basically go into more detail um, as to what that vehicle looked like and what were its components and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Again, drawing on one, two, and three to, to bring in and, and make it all aligned and make it, make mm. it in sync. Well, one of the things you've done, Jim, is you are setting up a business that supports even sort of beyond your purpose is that you also have a lifestyle that you want to live, at least at this point in your life, and allowing this, you use the word nomadic, <laughs> this nomadic lifestyle. So you said, I need to have something that's portable that goes with me that I can serve uh, anywhere. So give me an example now. You're doing one-on-one uh, -on -one mentoring. So what does that look like? How do you mentor? I mean, I guess I could have four or five different questions around it. First of all, how do you even how do people even find out about you? And then when you're mentoring individuals, how does that work for you? What do you do? So I like I say everything everything runs from my laptop, which is which is part of the reason why I designed the business the way I did because I I like traveling light and I wanted to travel. So everything is done from a laptop. So all of my mentoring is done via Skype or Zoom or or whatever whatever application is is most applicable and i have customers in three different countries i have them in in canada um the usa and the uk and predominantly because of the nature as i'm sure you you're well aware that because of the nature of the of the service it's very personal it's high value um my marketing is predominantly word of mouth and my own network so because of how personal it is now, how high value it is, people want to know exactly who you are. They want to know that they're going to get on with you. They're not going to. They're not going to see a marketing funnel and, and you know go from an, a free ebook to 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 one-on-one -on -one mentoring. That just isn't happening. So, with the one-on-one -on -one mentoring, most of my my clients have come from uh, referrals and uh, and word of mouth and my own network. And I basically Skype them from any country I'm in. So I, I was in nine countries last year and I Skyped from every, I Skyped from eight of them. So the only one I didn't Skype was from Malta and we only went there for a four day, a four day little break. So I didn't even take my laptop with me. So, um, so yeah, that's, it's basically as, as simple as that. I, I, I rely on my network. I incentivize people to find me, to find me clients. They come to me. I have a, a pre-call with them for sometimes half an hour, sometimes an hour, sometimes two. And then we, we sign up and they have, uh, it's a monthly membership, um, We two calls a month. And yeah, sometimes I have to get up at 4.30 in the morning to Skype and sometimes I, I have calls at 10 p.m. So, uh, Fair enough, fair enough. So that's been working for you now in that serving you and you're really helping. So if you were to say you're mentoring as a focus, is it to help your clients to get focused? Is that what your mentoring is about? Yeah. Basically, it's to help people align themselves with their passions, with their purpose um, through entrepreneurship, basically. So half of my clients are in the process of 
setting up a business and they want clarity on what that business might look like and how to align it with themselves. And the other half of my clients already have businesses and I'm just aligning the business with, again, with their, with their strengths, with their weaknesses and with their purpose and passions and everything else. So it's all about alignment, really. Great. So, Jim, you know, we only have a few minutes left in our show, but what I'd like to do is just ask you a question. You know, beyond your five-step system, what insights or wisdom can you wisdom can you share with the listeners around both positive and negatives that you've learned in your journey? In other words, here are some things to consider. Here are some things to avoid. You know, whatever it is, or even what you're learning as you mentor. Uh, different levels of individuals with your new business. What would um, what would be some tidbits of wisdom that you could share with the listeners? The the first thing I the first piece of advice I give to anyone who is looking to to sort of set out on the journey of entrepreneurship or even just making massive career changes is be very careful about what your environment or who your environment consists of. So for me, environment is, is number one, is the, the number one influencer in terms of your, your future success. And when I say environment, I mean the people around you, predominantly your family and your friends, um, but also on a, to a lesser extent, the, the YouTube channels that you watch, the, the podcasts that you listen to, the books that you read, the radio that you listen to, the newspapers that you read, the Facebook groups that you're a member of. So all of those things are inputs. That's that's you absorbing information, and and people don't realise the power of those inputs, and over time they shape the way people see things. Mm. They they shape your beliefs, they shape your feelings, and then they shape um, how you act ultimately. So um, did you so did you personally shift your inputs to get where you are absolutely. from where you were, let's yeah. say, ten years ago? Yeah, I, yeah, I did. I was listening to a. And this, this is sort of leading on to my next point. Um, I was listening to an audio, uh, yeah, an audio book. Um, I was on a road trip in Australia a couple of years ago, and I listened to the Four Hour Work Week, which is probably familiar to many of your audience. Um, Mr. Tim Ferriss. Indeed. And one line in that resonated with me more than anything else. He said, "You're the average of the five people you spend the most time with." And I know it's not his quote originally, um, and that got me thinking. He said, "So you know, have a look around who you're spending time with, um, and are they conducive?" To you know, are they aligned with your goals? Are they, is it conducive to where you want to go? So I've taken that one step further, and with my clients, I give them a review document so they can mark out of ten, you know, answer questions out of ten, and how applicable it is. And one of the things is to is to share your your vision. If you have grand ambitions of becoming a nomadic entrepreneur, if you want to if you want to become your own business person, if you want to open up a, a shop, whatever that might be, share that vision with with people close to you and see what see how they react. And it's phenomenal how many people out there will they might get laughed at. They might people they might just go, oh yeah, well good luck with that. You're not going to achieve that. Or and the, the amount of naysayers out there that are just imposing their limiting beliefs on you. And it's an incredibly powerful influencer on whether or not you even start on that journey. If you're mm-hmm. around five people and they all go, that's a fantastic idea. Have you thought about this? I'll support you in this. What about this idea? I can give you some money. I can give you my time. I can connect you with somebody else. Having a really strong support network who's aligned with where you're going um, is so unbelievably important, especially in the early stages. It's important anyway, but especially in the early stages when, when your, your mm-hmm. little flickering flame could be put out um, so easily. So crafting your environment is huge and, and the 
the easy way of doing that to begin with is just start reading and listening to books. So I've got audible.com uh, and I've listened to three books in December um, and I've listened to 30-odd books in 2017. And all, it's, just, it's just reinforcing that same message. It's, it's me listening to books that are about business, that are about personal development, that are about simplifying, that are about finding your passions and all it's doing is reinforcing those beliefs. Um, in my head, so um, those are those would be the two things I would say to anyone who's looking to to make that kind of change. Well, thank you, Jim. Now, Jim, we just have a couple of minutes left. Uh, if people are interested in what you're doing, how might they get in contact with you? Uh, the easiest way would be through my Facebook page, uh, the Untamed Entrepreneur. I put my posts up there, uh, videos and, and links to to my blogs and stuff, and I I answer messages through there fairly promptly. And then also there's my website, theuntamedentrepreneur.com, which has got a lot more information about my backstory, all my blogs and videos and everything else, um, a bit of idea about my mentoring. And then also there's a contact form on there and you can join my mailing list that way. Um, or um, you can email me um, which, and I'm happy to happy to receive any emails and, and respond as, as best I can. And that's uh, jim.hughes at entrepreneursuntamed.com um, so yeah I'd be happy to field any questions if I can help anyone out um, I love what I do so I, 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 I'm happy to give time to, to people who who have any questions they might want asking and jump on quick calls here and there and, and if I can add value I, I would love to be able to well thank you Jim and uh, Jim thanks for spending time with us and the secrets of success listeners and just sharing your insights and of course if you were ever in the Vancouver area again, then as we say, coffee is on in Canada, right? Absolutely. I wish I'd known you guys. I was in, um, I was driving from Whistler to a Soyuz in September, so I drove straight past you guys. You did. You did. Well, well <laughs> I'm sure you, knowing you, you will do it again. And if <laughs> sure we're in the UK, we're going to do a sleepover if you invite us or not. So, Absolutely. Jim, thank you very much for being with us, you guys. It's the untamedentrepreneur.com. Uh, you know, spend some time, look at what Jim's doing, and he really is setting um, an example for us of what's possible. And of course, when we were, I was younger, we didn't have the online world, but now there are no limits to what you do. So Jim, th thanks again for being on the show. Thank you very much for having me. I had a, had a great time. As we wrap up each show, we just uh, thank you again for listening, spending your most valuable asset you have, your time with us. If you like what we're doing, share, pass it on, leave some positive comments in whatever format that you're listening to. And I just encourage you that you will take what Jim has said and live your life on purpose. Take the time, do the work, get clear about who you are, and that is your highest level of contribution, but also your highest level of fulfillment. Thank you for listening to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Thanks for exploring the secrets of success with us. If you want to keep the momentum going, log on to crgleader.com. Scroll to the bottom and sign up for our inspirational emails. You can also take your success to the next level by following us on Facebook and Twitter and connecting with Ken on LinkedIn. We hope you have a great week and look forward to you joining us next time for the Secrets of Success podcast with Dr. Ken Keyes.